welcome to day 71 of Shaped by the Word. Uh, we've been in an adventure through the New Testament, uh, reading through the entire New Testament in the year and the Psalms on the weekend to prepare our hearts for worship. Uh, we began the year with uh, the Gospel of Luke, and now we're reading his second volume, uh, Acts, which is uh, a record of church history. It's the only volume of church history that we have in the New Testament, and it's an exciting history, the spread of the Gospel. Uh, as Jesus predicted from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And finally, the gospel will end up in Rome, the uttermost parts of the earth, as far as the disciples I were concerned. Last time we left off uh, with uh, this wonderful church in Antioch. It's the first church that is a strong mix of Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. And Barnabas was ministering the church, and he went and found Saul uh, to come and minister along with him. So he recovered Saul, who had been rejected by many of the disciples in Jerusalem, and now he's working in the church in Antioch. So we pick up in chapter 12 with the persecution of the church back in Jerusalem. But before we do that, uh, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the story that you've invited us into. We thank you for the many who have gone before us. We thank you for their passion for you. We thank you more than anything else for how you sustain them. Uh, they, like we, are imperfect, prone to stumble, sometimes weak. But you, through your Spirit, strengthen them, and you, through your Spirit, cause the gospel to grow. And we pray as we read today that you, by your Spirit, would cause us to grow up in Christ Jesus, to be everything that you've called us to be. As we read your word, may we fall in love with the author of the word. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who, chapter 12 is where we are, verse 1. <laughs> it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, a brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him. Quick, get up, he said and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When he walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. 
In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod was wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne, and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of God and not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord continued to spread and flourish. Interesting story <laughs> all the way through. Uh, Luke is a fantastic storyteller, and you can tell he he loves the irony of, of what is going on. Uh, Peter is being rec- you know, rescued, and he has really no idea what's happening to him. He appears at the door, and Rhoda is so overjoyed that she forgets to open the door for him. The church doesn't believe, you know, what Rhoda is saying. I, I love how uh, I love how Luke even wants to get her name in this. I was going make to it say deeply personal. That. Yeah, makes it deeply personal in the fabric of the story, even more rich. And you can imagine, you know, for years, Rhoda laughing at the story and telling the story uh, as part of as part of that community. What are some of the other things that stand out as you read this passage? We definitely get the, um, I mean, Herod is involved with both of these stories, and he is actively trying to, what we've said in previous days, thwart what God is doing. Yeah. And it seems like he's earned the favor of the Jews, and so he's wanting to do what they want him to do right i mean he's he's fighting against these this christian group yeah it's always tenuous um this is herod which is the grandson we were talking about this a little while ago before we started the podcast of herod the great who was uh, one of the most dominant rulers in jewish history in jewish history uh this herod grew up in um in rome and so he grew up uh, with the emperor's children and went to school uh, with them and was assigned, you know, a lot of the territory his, his grandfather had to, there's several Herods, I think we have five in total, Herod, four of them are mentioned in scripture, so it's hard to get your Herods okay. into exactly straight. This is Herod Agrippa, but he was given a large part of, uh, you know, the, the kingdom that his great-grandfather had had, but as always tenuous, the Jews never really cared for him. His grandfather had built a temple, and that's how he endured himself to him. He is enduring himself to the Jewish people by Persecuting the church or mm-hmm. executing its leaders and trying to quash uh, this gospel movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, verse five is fascinating to me. You know, because the church is undergoing persecution, and we've seen this before. This isn't something that's new in the life of the church. You know, it may be increasing, or you know, we see just the hostility of even just you know, verse two. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword, and, and there's not you don't get much more than that, other than I mean, it just seems to be this is what's starting to occur as the church begins to thrive persecution sets in, even persecution that leads to death. But I love what the church does in verse 5. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And I was just curious, you know, what Luke does with that word earnest there. And uh, so I did like a little Greek study on it. Ektenos is the word. And we only see it three times in Scripture, twice in Luke. And the other time we find this is when Jesus is in the garden Mm -hmm. and he earnestly prays. And so I, I love the image of what the church is doing as they're following in the footsteps of Jesus in the midst of an hour of persecution. You know, they're not shrinking back. They're not, they're not hiding or even just, you know, how are we going to break Peter out of prison? It's, 
Man, let's go before the uh, Lord and earnestly pray. And as Jesus was earnestly praying, his whole body was involved. He threw himself mm-hmm. down, his uh, perspiring as in great you know, drops yeah. of blood, uh, pleading with the Lord. It just reminds us of the importance of intercession. And it, that's what I wrote in my Bible uh, when I was reading it. Just You're really not supposed to write in your Bible. <laughs> Forgive it's kinda, me. It's God's Word. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's just a good for, reminder for me personally, like that intercession deeply matters. Mm-hmm. And in a moment, like Matt said, where it seemed like they had no control over what would happen, um, they they had a God who was so much more powerful than the situation. Now, the life of Jesus as a whole, you know, especially through Luke, that was an emphasis in Luke, you know, the prayer life of Jesus and the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit working in and through Jesus. And that's certainly an emphasis in the second volume as well as when you see big movement among the gospel from the church, you, you see the church in prayer and you see the Holy Spirit ministering in and through that prayer. And uh, if that was the power behind the ministry of Jesus and the power behind the ministry of the early church, uh, how much more does that need to be the power mm-hmm. you know, behind behind our ministry that we are deeply connected through the word and through prayer to who he is seeking mm-hmm. his will above above all else being willing to be surprised by him directed by him empowered by him mm-hmm. i love too the the progress report that you know, luke gives us again that but the word of god continued to spread and flourish and i mean we see the jews can't stop the spread of the word of you know the word of god you see rome now can't stop the spread i mean you know herod can't stop it so you're seeing these movements where nothing will will stop what the Lord has purposed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you almost have this kind of interaction between kind of Herod, who is seen as the sovereign, who, you know, the people will declare, this is the voice of a God, and then the, the Lord strikes him, mm-hmm. and and you see who is the fitting, you know, sovereign Lord, and it's, it's not Herod. Yeah, and of course, we're in a series in Hebrews, uh, you know, right now on Sunday morning, and the writer of Hebrews will, you know, say the Word of God is living and active, uh, and you certainly have that kind of language here that it is f- the Word itself is flourishing. Yeah. It is, you know, we just talked about prayer being, uh, you know, the power between, you know, uh, behind the early church. Luke reminds us that it's it's that dual, you know, kind of partnership with the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And, and of course, that is the heart of who they were, and that is the heart of God's power working in and from among them in, in community. And so those are yeah. great words. And that's the same power for us yeah, today. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why Luke gave us that statement in such a succinct, memorable sentence. And whatever else you do, don't get away from this. The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the yeah. fellowship, and the prayers. Mm. I love all the details of the story, too. I mean, we've talked about some of the theological, but... You know, components, but I mean, Luke is, is a master storyteller, and he mm-hmm. gives us so many details to almost just kind of relive it with the early church. You know that there was um, four squads of four soldiers each. You know, and, and just kind of showing the details of you know this wasn't just something that's like Peter kind of you know scrolled yeah. his way out of prison. Like he was heavily guarded. No, there was uh, one uh, one soldier chained to one arm, the other soldier chained to another arm. One at the first gate, and one at the second gate. And so you have the angel of the Lord appearing in brightness, mm-hmm. which 
uh, doesn't even wake up Peter. Yeah. He has to. He has to. He kind of slap him on the side, push him on the side, to wake you know, to wake him up. And then Peter just you know sleepwalks through this whole thing. And then you come to the iron gate of the city, which is a big gate that would have taken several men to move, and it just kind of yeah. opens by itself. You know, so uh, surreal. And uh, they walk through it, and then they walk the length of one street. And I'm just want to get you far enough from this gate that you don't go back in. Uh, and then the, the angel disappears, and he realizes, you know, God has done something yeah. incredible to preserve his word. I remember, I think it was a professor one time, kind of contrasted the responses of uh, Peter in prison and Paul in prison. You know, Paul is singing and worshiping, and Peter's sleeping. And he said, you know, what, what, what are these responses? And he, at the end, he concluded, as people kind of, you know, throughout conjecture, he said, it's both responses of worship, confident trust in the Lord that he will do what he will do, you know, and so Peter is is imprisoned, uh, probably, you know, he just, James has just been, facing death. yeah, he knows it's coming. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I, do, yeah. He sleeps. Of course, this is an illustration, I, I don't think so much of confident trust in the Lord as the surprising sovereignty of the Lord. Yeah. And uh, Peter is... Peter is not really expecting this, and he is surprised that God has intervened in answer to his prayers. The church is earnestly, you know, praying this, and they're going, "What? God answered, you <laughs> yeah. know, our prayer, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in a marvelous, in a marvelous way." But it is, does show God's, you know, and obviously the same thing could have happened, you know, with James. Yeah. He he could have, you know, miraculously rescued James, but God in His sovereignty, you know, appointed, you know, that James. James would suffer as a martyr, and Peter also would suffer as a martyr much, much later. But yeah. in this instance, be rec- rescued, uh, both as part of his, his work in and through uh, the early church. Yeah, and while we're contrasting the story, this story and Paul and Silas in prison, right, you have two very different outcomes because here Peter is rescued and taken out, and Paul and Silas are unchained um, among all these other prisoners who are unchained in the moment but they stay you know and and then the jailer is and his whole family is brought to know the lord right so i think it's interesting to put them next to each other and see that god doesn't always act the same way and we can't always expect him to act this way now because he's acted no. this way before like he is the same god but, but god does sovereign. always act but he always he acts. always acts and we need to trust in like you said, in his sovereignty and yeah. in his plan. And he's, yeah, he he's, he's has a much bigger picture. Of course, of an interesting contrast, the Philippian jailer took out his sword and was about to take his life. Uh, and here, you know, the, uh, the, either the, you know, the 16, the four sets of four or the particular four that was on duty at the time were executed. Uh, if you were a Roman uh, guard and you lost a prisoner, you received the punishment uh, that was due to the prisoner. Mm-hmm. So this does give us some insight that yeah, Herod did indeed plan on executing, you know, Peter as uh, Peter as well. Mm-hmm. And then of course you have uh, Josephus tells us the same story about Herod's death, how he appears in his royal robes, which were kind of silver lined, and the sun was shining off of him, and the people, you know, said this is a uh, the voice of a god, you know, speaking to us. Of course, they were just kind of telling him what he wanted to hear because they needed wheat. But anyway, <laughs> uh, other than that, and you know, it, it his power. He became so enamored with his power, you know, that he was he was struck down. And according to Josephus, immediately as he's making the speech, he collapses, is taken into his home, and five days later, he he, he dies. And, and of course, there's worms and 
death thing you know tied into it yeah uh, but you know something intestinal no doubt <laughs> and it struck him in, in the moment yeah. but it's not the worms it's it's the pride and the angel of the lord acting on behalf of his church yeah. some fun passage all, all the way through <laughs> interesting uh, details irony of uh, god answering our prayer and us still being uh Incredulous. incredulous that's yeah. the word man easy again <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> heavenly father thank you so much for your goodness your grace your mercy for your sovereign care over us you are a good god when you deliver you are a good god when you cause us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death mm. uh, we thank you for the way that you work among your people and we trust you it's in your holy name we pray amen mm.